Father, how we thank you for this day. How we thank you for each and every day that you give us. How precious it is to wake up and say, good morning, Lord. Amen. But even so much more precious is that day when we'll awaken in your presence. Oh, there, Lord, to see you face to face, there to spend eternity with the other departed and uh, worshiping you, praising you forever. And it won't, be, it won't be a tiring thing because time will have stopped. I know that there's no, no alarm clocks in heaven. It's eternity. And I think of that verse from <clears throat> hymn 91 that I like so much. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. Come on, sing it with me. What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. As I've said before, sometimes I sing that 50 times a day. And now, as we get ready to start, Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Okay, the, for those that are following along with the... Uh, with scripture, we're in chapter 10 of Isaiah. It will be, I'm going back over just briefly, verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Isaiah speaking for God says, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against a hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. You remember in the last chapter that God sent Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, against Israel which prophecy occurred in the sixth year of the reign of Hezekiah. But he was not successful against Judah and Jerusalem. Now, Isaiah prophesies that Sennacherib, who was the son of Shalmaneser, I'll learn you someday, 
But he was the new king of Israel, of Assyria, who will be used to punish Judah. He'll be used to punish Judah. Hezekiah had been a good king and accomplished a lot in the reformation of the kingdom of Judah. But even with the removal of the high places of idolatry put in place by Ahaz, his father, even with the breaking of the images worshipped by the people, even the breaking of the brazen serpent of Moses, still the nation was hypocritical and that they claimed to be reformed and religious. But in reality, they only seemed to be religious, earning God's wrath. Hezekiah truly had a pious behavior and made being religious something to be desired by his subjects again. But they were hypocritical in their hearts and their actions were not sincere. God knows us and looks into our hearts to see the true feelings we have toward him. We can't fool God. We can fake it with each other and with those we meet and talk with, but we cannot fake it with him. He he knows us so well that nothing but our best is acceptable to him. All our outward show means nothing to him. In fact, he cannot allow us to be hypocritical Christians. He cannot allow us to be hypocritical Christians. Only our best for him who gave his best for us. Is it any wonder that those were his, that were his chosen and hallowed people above all others now had become the objects of his wrath for their sins. I'm not a prophet. I'm not telling you this because I know. But where are we headed? Where are we headed? in this sinful nation. The Assyrians were known for their cruelty in the handling of their captives. They tortured them for entertainment. They blinded them. They cut them. They even pulled off strips of skin until they died. If they wished to make a captive a slave, they would often put a hook in their nose 
so they could be led around like a like they control bulls with a ring in their nose. God, however, said that the Assyrians would be treated the way they had <coughs> excuse me, treated others. Yet, God would use the Assyrians to punish Judah. The Assyrian is called the rod of God's anger because he is employed by God. Sometimes God uses idolatrous nations that don't recognize or even know him to punish hypocritical nations. A nation that does not serve God in sincerity and truth. But the Assyrian's power comes from God who says, I will send him, I will give him a charge. Just so we know, this is a gem, I think it's scripturally based, but all the power that wicked men have, even though they often use it against God as well as against those that they oppress, they always receive that power from God. Even Pilate had no power against Christ unless it was given to him from above. We tend to believe that wicked rulers have their own power derived from their own doing. But all power resides with God, with him only, the great I am. Isaiah tells us that the Assyrians take the spoil. He tells them to take the spoil and take the prey. But did you notice, no mention is made of shedding blood. We don't read of any, Jude, any of Judah being slain. Only that their country is plundered, their houses stripped, their cattle driven away, and the people stripped of all their wealth and ornaments. Because they had wallowed in the mire of their sin, the Assyrian was told to tread them down into the mire of the street. In some countries that I've been in, mainly in North Africa and uh, back, back country of Spain, and even places I've read about, the streets are not like our city streets, but are often disgustingly filthy. Some now, this was the uh, late 50s, early 60s when I was overseas. 
Some even had raw sewage running down shallow trenches in the road. This is probably the mire that Isaiah is referring to. God's desire in all this is that they aren't ruined completely. I believe that's why we don't read of blood being shed in Judah, just everything being taken away. That's not a desire that they'll be ruined, not completely. His desire is always that they'll be thoroughly reformed. Verse 7 tells us, How be it, he meaneth not so, neither does, doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. The king of Assyria, thinking in his pride that he had done so well, that he was so powerful. In fact, thought of himself as absolute and all-powerful, able to act on his own and accomplish whatever he desired. But God had ordained that he would be God's instrument of judgment, that the Almighty had established him for the correction of God's disobedient people, Disobedient people who God wanted to come to repentance. Zenacherib, the king of Assyria, did not understand God's plan and certainly did not see himself as God's instrument of bringing the people to repentance and restoration. But it's just another nation to destroy and bring under his control, adding to his glory as the most powerful ruler of his day. He does not think or even imagine that he can only do as much as God will let him do. Only as much as God needs him to do to bring his people to to a realization of their sins, of their hypocrisy, and to bring them to repent, bringing them back to himself, back to the relationship they had at one time. So often God means to accomplish one thing, but his instruments. The king of Assyria, for example, had thoughts and desires that were contrary to God's intentions. Remember, Joseph's brothers had one intention for Joseph. But God has such a greater future for Joseph and also, of course, for his brothers. And the whole future of the nation of Israel. Men have their plans. If I was to ask today, all of us probably have some plans. 
something we're going to do, right? And God has his plans. And praise God, his will be done. Ours might not get past the door, but his will be done. I was thinking of Israel. However, in the uh, meantime, Sennacherib would seem to be in charge. In charge of the whole situation. And in charge of his own desires. Matthew Henry uses the word designs instead of desires. His designs are nothing less than destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. In other words, many nations. His designs are to gratify his own cruelty, bathing in blood and slaughter. Slaughter not just of the people, but of the whole nations. His designs are to gratify his own covetous, covetousness, how's that? And ambition to become the ruler of the known world. Bringing all other nations under his dominion. His unsatiable desire of wealth and dominion is his driving force. He just could not get enough. He could not conquer enough nations. No thoughts of anyone or anything standing in his way ever enter his mind. Poor wretched fool. Poor wretched fool that did not know or believe that pride cometh before a fall. James tells us in chapter 4, verse 6, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Proverbs eleven two, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and in haughty spirit before a fall. Verses 8 and 9. For he saith, now this is Senator Rib is saying this, are not my princes altogether kings? Is not Calno as Carchemish? Is not Hamath as Arpad? Is not Samaria as Damascus? Now the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, starts bragging about his past achievements, saying that he has reduced those kings he defeated. If he, if he allowed them to live, he reduced them to the role of princes, subservient to him, sub-rulers of the conquered nations that they were formerly, that were formerly their own kingdoms. 
He let them rule to a certain amount, but there's a reason for it. But now they and their former kingdoms are in essence slaves of the king of Assyria, allowed to live as long as they pay tribute both in allegiance and with their wealth and income. Taxes, in other words. He would leave them there as long as they paid their taxes. Also, some of his most royal followers have been elevated to positions of luxury and position that they live lives of the wealthy, just like kings. Again, supported by the tribute of the conquered. If, if you were a friend of his today, you could have a beautiful castle and, and participate in the distribution of the taxes of the wealth of the people that you'd conquered. So you could live the life of the king where the kings were reduced. He names a few of the cities and nations which he has already reduced to tribute-paying slaves, such as Calno, Carchemish, Hamath, Arpad, and Damascus. Syria, uh, excuse me, Samaria is included in his list, but that nation was conquered by his predecessor, his, follow, his father, King Shalmaneser. But they were still paying punitive tribute. He goes on to say, Shall I not, as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, so, to, so do to Jerusalem and her idols? In his confusion, he thought by defeating Samaria that he had made their idols, their gods, his gods, to be used to his advantage. The Moabites were called the people of Shamash, who managed, who even, excuse me, it's my writing, who imagined that their gods or idols that they worshipped were their patrons and protectors. And therefore, Senator Rib thought when he conquered Samaria, that he conquered their gods too. He threatened Jerusalem that he would subdue them and their idols. You see, he thought Israel worshipped idols, just as Samaria and other nations had done, nations that he had conquered. He worshipped Mithras, the sun, not realizing that inanimate idols have no power, no reality. They can do nothing. 
but he preferred the graven images of other countries, and he did not understand that the people of Israel were forbidden by God Almighty to make or worship graven, man-made images or idols. Unfortunately, we're surrounded by people that do. You know, you'll see crystals hanging from the rear view mirror. You'll see other indications, other things that they worship. Inanimate objects they don't understand. He believed that just as he had defeated Samaria, so he would easily defeat Jerusalem. But the big difference was, was that Jerusalem adhered to her God, whereas Samaria had forsaken him. Verse 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. For he saith, by the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I am prudent, and I have removed the bounds of the people, have robbed their treasuries, and I have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man, and my hand hath found as a nest the riches of the people. And as one gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved the wing, or opened the mouth, or peeped. Now we're going to begin to see how God will end the torment of Israel by Sennacherib. But you must realize that all, although God will use him to punish his chosen people that had disobeyed him, that when God's wrath had been satisfied, he would in his great compassion and mercy for his people punish the very tool he had used for that punishment. The king of Assyria had no way of knowing he was a servant of God in the punishment of Israel. God called him the rod of my anger, the scourge to the people of my wrath. King Zenacherib was of the opinion that by the strength of his hand only, he had been able to subdue the nations, and he would be able to do the same to Jerusalem. I'm afraid that sometimes we get so caught up in how well we think, how well we think we're doing, that we also forget that God is the author of all that is good. Unless we seek him and trust him for guidance and direction in everything we try to accomplish, we are 
like the Assyrian king destined to failure. Certainly not the catastrophic failure of Senator Ribb, but failure in the sense that we have not done our best in following God because we have not included him in our efforts. I know I am constantly concerned that I am in accordance with his plan and direction in the preparation and delivering of these messages. Messages. I may not always understand what I read correctly and then mistakenly pass it on, but I will not present something incorrectly knowing that I am incorrect. I won't do it on purpose. It's not my agenda. I hope I haven't pre presented anything that is contrary to the teachings of the Baptist Church. And I have full confidence that Pastor Schott will set me straight. I earnestly endeavor at all times to remain under Pastor Schott's authority. We may have different opinions over some issue, but he is our pastor, and he has a responsibility of and for our members in their Christian walk. Thank you, Pastor. The Assyrian king would have everyone believe that he had conquered nations as easily as if he had been gathering eggs from a hen house. I was only nine when I first gathered eggs. It took me a couple trips to learn that hens sitting on a nest would seldom offer any resistance to me as I would reach under them to gather the eggs. Some would on occasion fluff their feathers and make a soft peep or even give me a, a light harmless peck on my hand. But all in all, there was really no challenge to my efforts. Just as the hens were so weak that they wouldn't resist me, so Senator Ribb said the nations and cities he had taken were also so weak that he had his way. No wonder he thought he was invincible, so powerful, cruel, and merciless that he had and could so strike terror upon others at his will. I could have scared the feathers off those chickens, but I didn't need to. It was just so easy to reach in, get the eggs, put them in the basket. I thought I was pretty good after a while, you know. God created man to do good. Every one of us. And the women too, not just the men. But some take so much pleasure in doing wrong believing that their glory and the conquest 
and spoiling of others was her utmost desire. It goes on in verse 15. Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? Or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? As if the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up. Or as if the staff should lift up itself as if it were no wood. We've seen and heard what the great king, the king of Assyria says, and how big he talks. But let's see now what the great God Almighty has to say by his prophet Isaiah. Let's see how God deals with the proud king of Assyria, who in his vanity felt he had a right to do so instantly and audaciously be boasting of his accomplishments. Remember, he was a tool by which God would punish his disobedient chosen people. God has Isaiah ask, since when does a tool do anything unless by the hand of the craftsman? Does an ax cut down trees without being wielded by the axeman? Does a saw cut unless it's drawn back and forth against the wood? And what does the clay do without the potter? God will not suffer to let men, by the way of resistance and opposition, blaspheme him, insult him, and threaten to deal with him as he deals with other mortal men. Matthew Henry says, But if men will be thus proud and daring and bid defiances to all that is just and sacred, let them expect that God will reckon with them. The more insolent they are, the surer and sorer will their ruin be. Going back for a moment to the axe, does the axe boast of its cutting the trees, expecting praise? It is so senseless and indeed absurd for Senator Ribb to say that he had accomplished so much by the strength of his hand that he had done what he bragged about by his wisdom. God then has Isaiah prophesy that when God has done using the Assyrian king to do what God wants him to do, that then God will do his work upon the king. As miserable time as it will be for Zion, God designs to do good to them by his providence. When God uses anyone to teach his disobedient children, it is in order to perform some great work upon them. Then, and only then, he will work deliverance for them. 
When God brings his people trouble, it is to try them, to bring their sins to their remembrance, and to humble their insolent hearts. My phone didn't go off yet, but it's going to. It's just about that the time. Any questions or, or comments about what we covered this morning? It's, it's scary, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not worried about me. I'm old. I've lived well, 82 years now. Yeah. Yeah. What can happen to me? <laughs> but what about Dominic? Yeah. Right. <sighs> what about someday his children yeah. or his grandchildren? <sighs> Anything else? Yes. And we look around every, every Sunday. Look around and see the remnant. They're here. Anything else? Okay, Pastor? Pastor? 